I just believe that the best is yet to come, not only in the marriages of the people in this room, but the relationships of the people in this room. And most importantly, here's what I need you to remember. Before I was ever the groom and she was ever my bride, we were the bride of Christ Jesus. And it's only through him that we learn how to love one another the way that we're supposed to. So one more time, can we just give a praise to the greatest bridegroom that has ever existed, the one that came and the one that's coming back. And today, I want to help you be ready for him. I want to help you have your lamp full of oil whenever the bridegroom returns. I want to give you really quick, if you'll notice on the very front of your bulletin, we had to make an adjustment because the community needed to make an adjustment. So we are not going out to the recreational department this afternoon because that parade will have been over two and a half hours before the time that we had set to go out there. Okay, They're actually not getting back until about noon. If you would like to go out there and pick up trash, you're welcome to. Just let us know. We'll hand you some trash bags, but we're not going to skip our second service to go out there and pick up trash. (laughs) Today, we would have loved to have organized, but just didn't feel like we could throw that together. However, the last piece of that is still available. Our Monday and Tuesday outreach downtown where we are selling king cakes and beignets, and my children have already eaten a ton of those. They are worth your time and your money. If you want to just drop by and make a donation to student ministry, to missions, purchase a king cake, send all your friends, or actually show up and serve in a time slot. I'm sure that those who have already put in about 50 hours in the last couple of days would love to have you down there. We are in a series, and we will be in this series until the end of this month. We are calling this series, I Will. And now at the end of this series, I'm just giving you a forecast, okay? At the end of this series, a friend of mine, he is actually the cohort advisor, he and his bride are the cohort advisor of the SUM cohort that I connected with and received my master's degree through. His name is Joe Oden. He is an evangelist. He itinerates uh, every week of the year, minus just one or two, to spend some time with his family. He is an evangelist at heart. Some are gifted to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And, and then to equip the saints to do the ministry. Joe Oden is an evangelist, and he will be here at the end of this month. He is not a pastor, okay? He is not going to pastor you. He's not going to teach you. He's going to evangelize from this pulpit on Sunday morning for both services and Sunday evening in a special service, but Saturday at lunch we're going to have an evangelism training. Now, don't let that word scare you, okay? It's really just taking the time. We're going to take the time to learn how to influence other people for the sake of the gospel. And Joe Oden is one of the best, I believe one of the best that I know at this specifically. He's going to teach us how to love our neighbor and have influence with the people that God has put in our lives. We're going to serve you lunch. We will have childcare available that day. That is the 23rd, that Saturday at noon for an evangelism training. And guys, 
Just remember, our men's retreat is next weekend, and we would love to meet you here. We'll put Facebook updates and announcements about when we're meeting here and going there and coming back, and we just love to have you go with us. Make sure you sign up online for that with us. Ephesians chapter 6, not Ephesians, Exodus. Let me try that again. In your Bibles or your iPad or device, wherever you read your Bible, Exodus chapter 6, God makes four promises, okay? Four promises. And instead of reading those four promises, I have been reading them. I'm going to show you specifically what those four promises are in verses 6 and 7. Now, you can highlight these four promises in these verses, and I'm about to show you how the promises in these verses relate to the mission of this church. And then we're going to settle into the second one today. We've been spending a lot of time on this first one, going to settle into the second one, and actually for the next couple of months, going to be looking at these last two. So here's what they are. The first promise is that I will bring you out, okay? I will bring you out is the essence of salvation, Okay, that is what God is going to bring you out of your sin. It's nothing that you can do. You can't get out of your sin. You can't save yourself. If you could and if you did, then you would give yourself credit for being able to do it instead of giving God glory for what only he can do. Are you with me? So salvation is something that God purchased, that Jesus paid for, and that is only available in the name of Jesus. That's why we don't believe in Jesus because he made our lives better, because the military could make your life better. AA could make your life better. There's a lot of things that you could get involved with that can make your life better. We don't believe in Jesus because he made my life better. We believe in Jesus because he saved our soul from eternal separation from a God that loved us enough to put a plan in. Oh, I done started out of the gate this morning. Put a plan in at the very beginning that he would see through all the way to the very end. Listen, don't you ever stop being a part of that plan. From the very beginning all the way through to the very end. I will bring you out. I will save you. We call that knowing Jesus. It's the first and utmost priority of this house to know Jesus. In fact, it's the first and utmost priority of our house. See, we have some core values or we call them family values. And we've got seven of them, and we've written them on a sheet. And, and well, that sheet disappeared. But we have another sheet that we wrote it on. And we teach our children these seven core values. And the first one is to know Jesus and make Him known. Because if I teach my children a thousand things, but I miss that one, then I have done nothing but set them up for temporary success and neglected the most important, which is eternal Number one is to know Jesus, to receive salvation, to come out of sin, come out of Egypt. But then there's a second promise. I will free you. We could call this deliverance. We call it finding freedom. Because sometimes being saved from your sin and getting all of your sin out of you doesn't happen simultaneously. Sometimes... Healing takes place 
over a period of time. We're going to talk about that more here today. Number three, I will redeem you. We call this the cup of redemption. Being redeemed, not just saved, not just set free, but repurposed, redeemed. So that we don't just, as the church, tell you what we're against, but we're able to tell you what we're for. That we don't just tell you what not to do, but we begin to repurpose you into the body of Christ. And we give you not just belief, but reason for the belief and a purpose behind the reason. To redeem you. We call that discover purpose. And then number four, God says, I will take you as my own. And this actually deserves its own series. So we're going to implement some of this into the sit with me series that we will engage in on the way up to Easter. I will take you as my own. This is the cup of fulfillment or the cup of praise. We call it impacting eternity. Because we believe that everything that you do begins when you become part of the body of Christ. And there is no one part of the body that is more important or less important than the other. So this the simple example, whether you're changing a diaper in the infant room or you're receiving offering or leading prayer. If you're worshiping with your giving or you're shaking a hand out at the front door or parking cars in the almost rain. <laughs> Your objective as a part of the body of Christ is to discover your purpose and begin to impact eternity in the sanctuary through the body of Christ and in society as a part of the body of Christ. Those are the four parts of our mission. They're all found in the promises of God. So today I want to give you the first two. We've talked about knowing Jesus a lot. But I want to define with you for a moment the difference between salvation and freedom. Now, I want you, please don't record this and put it on YouTube out of context. I don't believe that we're there or that anybody would care. Like, who's this bearded guy in South Louisiana? But you could, mess, you could mess yourself up and me up if you don't listen really carefully right here. Okay, I'm just talking about two words that we use as language in English. Salvation, deliverance. Okay, Being free from our sin because we're saved and then receiving not just salvation, but deliverance to get the sin out of us. So that we don't just get out of the sin, but we get the sin out of us. We don't even think about it the same way anymore. We don't talk about it the same way. We don't even desire it, ultimately desire it the same way. And a lot of people get stuck on this. Some people never move past this step in their walk with Jesus, in their spiritual journey. because And then they get mad at God because this is still in them. Well, you said you'd save me, and yet I still sense that I want this. I still struggle here. Why don't you just take, if you really loved me, you'd take it away. And God says, if you really understand, understood what I've done for you, then you'd stay in the process until you get over it in my power. And then we receive glory together because that's how I want to use you. See, salvation is instantaneous. It takes place in a moment. But sometimes deliverance 
is more about the mileage after that moment than the instantaneous drive through and get your salvation so that you can go on about your life. And a lot of people are looking for a moment when they should be committing to the mileage that takes place. It doesn't neglect your salvation. In fact, I believe that it would actually be beneficial for most of us to separate these two. That salvation is instantaneous. That when you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That you can call upon the name of the Lord no matter how stupid your life becomes or how dumb you made it. (laughs) That you can call upon the name of the Lord in an instant and the Bible says he hears you and you are saved. It's instantaneous. It's available. Salvation is right there. But sometimes every person I've met does not have the story that some people have. Oh, I was addicted. I was obsessed. I was bond and I was broken. And in a moment, the Holy Ghost came in and I never wanted it again. Never thought about it again. Never looked at it again. Well, good for you. That's not my story. It's not my story. I was raised in this stuff. And by this stuff, I mean, I was raised in God's word. I was, I was raised in, 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 a, in a Christian believing home. I was raised in church. I didn't have a drug problem. I had a dragged problem. I was dragged to church incessantly. The problem is, is that David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Well, guys, most of the time I was mad. Or I was sad. And I was just hoping that it would be over before everybody else got out so that we could get to lunch on time. Come on, somebody. Can we just be real? Come on, take the Mardi Gras mask. I said I wasn't going to go there. Take the mask off and just be real today. Sometimes deliverance, sometimes getting the sin out of you takes a little longer. It doesn't neglect that God saved you from the sin that he brought you out of the sin. But sometimes being fully free is about the process. See, Ephesians 2.8 says God saved you by his grace. He saved you by his grace. When you believed. When you believed. When you put your faith and your trust in him. Notice that doesn't say when you agreed with Jesus. But when you believed in Jesus, and there's a big difference between agreeing with Jesus and putting your life in him, believing in Jesus. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and some of you can probably see why, because this is very good explanation. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He had planned for us in Exodus chapter 6. A long time ago. He's got a plan for you. 
But he's got to get everything that's not supposed to be out of you so that he can replace it with everything he has for you. So he can redeem you for the purpose of becoming part of his body. So salvation is in a moment. I didn't have to hear me, listen to me. I didn't have to change and then receive salvation. I didn't have to clean myself up so that I could come to church. I didn't have to get everything right so that I could come before God. No. You come to Christ and He delivers you and saves you and then puts you in a process of sanctification so that you're not just made new, but you begin to discover who He created you to be. A moment saved. The mileage Delivered. Philippians 2. Not a contradiction, but a compliment. A completion of God's word. Verse 12 says, So, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm a guy of results. I, I just... That's just, it's, it's just how I'm hardwired. I, like if I don't see the results, I'm going to do something different. And in fact, and I think this has rubbed off on my wife because she, she's made a statement about my current workout regimen that she noticed a difference formally. See, formally, and some of you will like this story and I can't go too far because there's, anyways, but I, she knew Playing baseball in college, I never stopped working out. I never stopped lifting weights. And then and she had she had some children, so I I gained some courtesy weight with her. The problem is she lost it and I kept it. <laughs> that, was the, that was the issue. But she knew that I went back to the gym and, and I started lifting weights and I was, I was working out. Like she knew I was not coming home for lunch because I was going to the gym. This was in Chandler, Texas. And I was going and I was going consistently. And I would even tell her, you know, things that she didn't care about, you know, because I lifted this much today and I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten this much stronger and, and I gained this much weight. And then one day I was walking down the hall and I just had a pair of shorts on. It was summer or probably in the middle of winter, but I was hot because it's on 85 degrees in my house. But anyways, I was walking and I had shorts on and she, she kind of looked at me and I was like, what are you looking at? What is going, something wrong? And she said, Knowing that I had been working out consistently for a long time, she said, baby, are you doing abs? (laughs) See, the problem, there was a problem. What I said I was doing didn't have the results of what I said I was doing. Apparently, you're supposed to mix in some cardio on occasion. I don't know. Just put one foot in front of the other and burn some fat off every now and then. And, then, and you don't just get to eat whatever you want to because you lift weights for an hour a few times a week. I don't know. Something like that. Listen, the, the church has this problem. I, did, didn't you say you're going to church? Did, didn't you say you just... Did, didn't you start serving? Weren't you at that Momentum Conference? Were you one of the tongue talkers? You're one of the ones I see raising your hands and shouting and dancing and praising. 
Do you work out abs? I mean, what's wrong? Because what I'm seeing doesn't line up with what you're saying. There's a disconnect in the results. And the problem is, is that we know we're supposed to trust Jesus for our salvation, but we don't understand that our responsibility just began whenever we received salvation. So we do not receive deliverance because we ignore our own responsibility. We received in Jesus' name, and we remain in Christ. So work out hard to show the results of your salvation. He's not going to do it all for me. I've got to take responsibility. Just as I did for needing to receive. Now I have to take responsibility to remain. What does that responsibility look like? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Because listen, verse 13 of Philippians 2. God is working in you. He's working in you. He's just not going to do all of it for you. God is working in you. To do what? He's working to do two things. That's a baseball two, by the way, because you've got to show it from the outfield so they don't see it as one. Anyways, all right. so he's doing two things. Number one, he's working in you to, to give you the right desires. That's a working progress that you become like him and And the things that you used to desire, you begin to despise because you begin to desire the things that he's putting in you. He's working in you to give you the desires. And number two, to give you the power to do what pleases him. Well, you don't have to please God. Well, then he's not working in you. If it's not my objective to please my heavenly father, then I probably need to evaluate the relationship that I say I have with him. Because he's supposed to be doing two things. God is working. He's working. He is imparting an eternal effort into my weakness. But he's working. And there should be a result. There should be a significantly new desire and operation in what pleases God. It's no longer just the moment of salvation. It's the process. And listen, hear me, hear me. This, for most of us, will take our entire lives. Amen. So let me, just, let me just, right here where you are today. If you stop coming to services, if you unplug from the body of Christ, if you don't learn how to worship, if you stop following Jesus you will end up worse than you were before you ever came to him in the first place. So, don't stop. Don't stop. Just stay. If you received Christ, stay in him. Because he's willing to work with you and in you for the rest of your life. Remaining and being delivered. Hear me. Salvation requires a moment, but remaining and being delivered is going to require some mileage on your part. But guess what? We get to do it together.
And the work is still being done by God. It's going to take some effort. It may take my entire life, but it will be worth it. Because listen to me, friend, you weren't created for this. That's why I say it's not a better life that we're after. It's a transformed life that we are living, that we can stare into the face of evil, darkness, and hell itself and say, but God is working in me. I'm his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. Even though I might not look like it right now, I know it don't look like I've been working abs, but baby, I got a plan. I'm going to stay the course I'm going to keep going. I'm going to be honest and open. I'm going to share my secrets. I'm going to become, connect, serve, impact eternity, grow in groups, and grow closer to God together all at the same time because I've seen what he's done before. There's got to be more than this available. Man, that's great news, right? But it's still frustrating. Why is it like this? Why? Why can't I just get saved and be saved? <laughs> like, why can't I just receive salvation on July 7th and 1990, whatever year it was, when I was seven years old and, and I meant it with all my heart and I was baptized and, and I got a plaque and a thing I can't find, but I know I have one somewhere. And, and then I just stopped lying. And, and then when I was 11, when I saw that thing on that screen that I shouldn't have seen, why didn't I just look away? I mean, I was saved at 7. Why did I become more like my dad than Jesus by the time I was 19? Come on, help me somebody. I don't know. <laughs> why is it like this? If I've received Christ, why is it like this? And I get it. It's frustrating. But let me give you a little bit of an answer today. Because you're not just created spirit. You were created body, soul, and spirit. And, and just because you're saved from your sin doesn't mean that your body goes away. Just because you're out of Egypt doesn't mean that Egypt is out of you. For some reason, you're going to still desire some onion at some point. For some reason, at times in your life, you're going to look at your life currently and go, man, I don't know why I'm doing this. It was easier when I wasn't trying. But that's slavery. The body is the physical. Just leave that up there for a little bit. The body is the physical. It's the flesh. The soul is the emotions, the feelings, the desires. You can see that in Psalm chapter 42. David is writing about the soul. And the spirit is our knowing. You can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The knowing. For the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, and knows all things. So our spirit is our knowing. Our soul is our emotion. And our body is the physical. And, and listen, we're stuck in this thing. No matter how great our spirit desires to do the right, our soul desires to do the right thing, no matter how many great thoughts we have in our spirit, no matter how much we begin to know Jesus, we are still in a battle with this body. And listen, here's the deal. See, the body doesn't care about the soul. And the soul doesn't care about the body. In other words, if you lust for it, the body wants it, no matter what damage it's going to cause to the soul. The body wants to look at it. The body wants to partake of it. 
The body wants to eat it. Come on, somebody. (laughs) It doesn't care that it's going to make you feel emotionally depressed for the rest of the afternoon. That you're going to be curled up 17 different ways with all the gas that's formed because of what you let in your body. Come on. Doesn't care how it makes you feel. The body's not going, oh, no, that's not going to make me feel good. The body's, no, 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 my soul's going to be affected by this decision. The body doesn't care. And listen, the soul doesn't care about the body, which is why somebody can commit suicide and not understand how detrimental and eternal it's going to be to their body. See, the soul will say, you're depressed. You're anxious. It's not worth it anymore. You feel this way. You should end this relationship. You should get out of this marriage. You deserve better. They don't love you anymore. Not knowing that you are crucifying your body along with Jesus, but not in the right way. Because the soul doesn't care about the body. And the body doesn't care about the soul. And when you begin to make decisions based on the soul and the body, ultimately you enter in or continue on the path to ultimate destruction of even your spirit. See, letting the body lead the way is like letting children rule your household. It's like placing children in charge. If my child wakes up in a really good mood, it's going to be a good morning. If not, not so much. If they're not feeling the way that they're supposed to feel, then they're going to make decisions that they're not supposed to make. Putting the body at the front, you may change your clothes 17 times and fight with people you're not supposed to about things that you shouldn't fight about. Putting the body in the front will cause you to think and fantasize and possibly even be concerned about things that aren't even going to matter in 10 minutes. Putting the spirit back in charge aligns your knowing with God's knowing. And it keeps you in the place that you're supposed to be. So the spiritual journey that we are on to know Jesus and find freedom, discover purpose, and impact eternity. The spiritual journey that we're on is really just a journey to make our spirit so strong that our body and our soul are not in charge anymore. That the spirit is not just willing, it's strength in Jesus' name. That the Spirit is not just a part of our threefold makeup in accordance with 1 Thessalonians. But the Spirit is in charge. The Spirit is making the decisions. And the soul and the body succumb to the Spirit. Not the Spirit succumbing and continuing to succumb to the body and the soul over and over again. See, the Spirit is saved. But... We're still stuck with these other two. When you receive salvation, it's the Spirit of God. And you're saved. But you still got to live this life with your own feelings, your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own desires, and this body, which sometimes just doesn't line up with what God wants for you. So I told you why it was like this The next question is, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Let me give you an acronym, then I'm going to give you some points. And I'm only going to go over two of these points today. We're going to come back to these next week. But the acronym is that Jesus came that we may have life and have it in abundance. 
So life could, just as an acronym, be living in freedom every day. That's God's desire for us is to not just receive salvation, but to remain in salvation and and that we wouldn't just receive freedom or, or inherit eternal life, but that we would live in freedom every single day. That's God's desire for us. So how do, we, how do we live in freedom every single day instead of just receiving salvation in a moment? How do we live in the mileage ahead? Well, over the next two weeks, let me give you four points. In fact, I'll give them to you today. They're in your notes. You can look at it on the back of your bulletin. You can go to eunicechurch.com slash notes. I'm going to give you all four. I'm going to talk today about the first one and the last one. And next week, we're going to dig into the middle two. The four is number one. We need to have victory over sin. We need to have victory over sin. Number two, we need to find healing from our wounds. We need to find victory over sin. We need to find healing from our wounds. And let me just put this on your radar and come back to it next week. But, but we're going to define sin as something that we do to ourselves. And I actually get this from Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, where Paul says, cast off the weight and the sin that so easily entangles. See, weight is something that somebody else throws on you, and sin is something that you entangle yourself in. Okay, so, so we need to find freedom or victory over sin and the things that we keep doing to ourselves. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But we also need to find healing from the wounds of the weights that other people threw on us that we didn't want. Because God is interested in our anointing, not in our anger. We're going to come back to that next week. Number three, we need to find authority over the enemy. And we've talked about this before, but we really need to dig in a little bit more. And and this is where we'll end today, is we need to evaluate our relationships. We need to evaluate our relationships. Let's go back to victory over sin. You remember, I I was showing you that that I've had this journey and this battle, even though I was raised in this stuff. You can turn in Romans chapter 7, and you can see that the almighty apostle Paul, not the big A almighty, but the, the like little temporary A almighty apostle Paul, he had this same struggle. In fact, he wrote about it in Romans chapter 7 and verse 21. He said, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably (laughs) do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Like I really want to do what is right. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. There's another power within me that's at war with my knowing, my spirit. There's a power within me. There's a war inside of me. Even though I love God's law, I love God's will, I really want to do the right thing. I'm saved. I know, I'm, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just having a hard time doing it. And so the power that I'm fighting against ends up making me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Even though I'm saved, I'm an apostle, and I'm writing to the church in Romans. 
If I'm not careful, there's this power inside of me that still makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. I see some of you rubbing your arms because you're cold, and I'm rolling up my sleeves because I'm sweating. I'm sorry. You're meeting me in the middle today. Bring a blanket. Bless you. The power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Watch this. Listen. Can you hear the anxiety, the angst in Paul? Paul says, oh, what a miserable person I am. I was just fine on my high horse. I was really good as a leader of the Jewish people and nation. I was doing okay without all of this. I just want to go back to what what I was before because this is way too hard. And then people do it. People go back and they live their lives and wonder why. Wonder why. Paul says, oh, what a miserable person. I, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Aren't you glad that Paul didn't end the chapter right there? Aren't we glad that he didn't close his book and lay down on his prison floor and cry himself to sleep? No, look at the next verse. Verse 25, thank God. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. I may struggle with this, but I'm not going to succumb to it. It may be something that I'm still stuck in at times, but just because I have a moment of being stuck in something doesn't mean that I have to let it rule me or that I'm going to stay in it. Thank God that the answer is found in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The same one that saved me is going to set me free. I don't have to stay stuck, and I certainly don't have to go back to Egypt. The answer is in Jesus Christ. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. And then the chapter ends. But I want you to understand that Paul didn't end the chapter. We ended the chapter. Because the very next verse, and you don't have to go to it yet, but the very next verse continues talking about Jesus. Because the answer is not more effort by you. The answer is you knowing Jesus more and more every day. The answer is you continuing in Christ just as you confessed to Christ. I want you to understand that no point in historical record did Paul ever actually succumb to sin. He didn't, guys, did you know that after Paul met Jesus, he never killed another Christian? It's crazy. Just a crazy thought. Like he wasn't like, oh, so sorry. Jesus, forgive me. So sorry about that. It's Fat Tuesday. Tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. I'll, I'll get it right tomorrow. I told my baby girl, I said, baby, listen, we don't have a problem with Mardi Gras. And we don't have a problem with people that participate or celebrate, whatever. What I have a problem with is doing things you know you're not supposed to do and calling it a celebration. I have an issue with that. 
Listen to me. God did not send his only begotten son so that you could stay in your sin. Jesus didn't carry the cross up Golgotha and ask God why he forsook him. Offer forgiveness, stay on that cross and declare it is finished so that you could stay stuck. He didn't lay his body in that grave for three days so that you could stay dead. So that you could struggle and succumb over and over again to the same old sin. No, friend. See, his life was perfect enough. His death was deep enough. And his resurrection was powerful enough that in Christ... There is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in him. There's now, today, right now, no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you cried over last month, no matter what was done for you to you, no matter what was thrown on you, or the sin that so easily entangles, I'm telling you that you can have victory over sin, not just forgiveness for sin. You can walk in the victory of the blood of the Lamb because it was that blood that spoke a better word than the dead blood of Abel in the book of Genesis. The blood of Jesus was heard in heaven, but it impacted the earth. It tore the veil and opened up the opportunity for God not to just hear about people and people not just hear about God, but for people to walk with God in holy communion every day so that you're not just saved, but you're set free and you stay that way. That's who he is. Now go to Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now, verse 1, Romans 8. So now, because you discovered the answer in verse 25, remember the answer to my struggle, the answer to my sin, the answer to me having desires that I don't want to have, the answer to me having thoughts that I wish I wouldn't think, come on, is that, is that now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit the one that's supposed to be leading your life has freed you. The promise. There's the promise. Do you know why so many Christians stay bound? Because we're not willing to face condemnation. See, we would rather conceal it be angry at people that wear masks when we wear too many of our own. Because we don't understand that when you connect to a group of people and you begin to be open and honest and you share your secret, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And if the people in that circle understood the salvation and deliverance of Jesus that he wants for you and them, then there would be no condemnation in that group. But the problem is, is that the church is the only army in the world that is perfectly satisfied with killing their wounded instead of restoring them in mercy and meekness. It's time we shift that. That if we say we believe in Christ, then we provide a place for people to be saved and have a moment. But we also provide a place for them to remain in Christ and have some mileage. Because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Aren't you glad that Paul didn't stop with Romans chapter 7? Well, even Paul struggled with sin, brother. Even Paul said he doesn't do what he wants to do, and he wants to do what he doesn't do. You should know your Bible. Well, I do know my Bible. The problem is I just don't stop reading whenever I see something that satisfies my flesh. I kept reading. And I know that the answer is still in Jesus because there's still no condemnation. The answer is still there. And the power of the life-giving spirit frees me from the power of the sin that I was just talking about struggling with. So in verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit... Controlled by the Holy Spirit. Something different happens. They think about things that please the Spirit. So if your thought life is a mess, all you have to do is stop and reevaluate whether the Holy Spirit has control of your thought life. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. It leads to you being worse than you ever were before you even came to Jesus. But, good news, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Don't we want life? Man, what if we just relive the rest of our life, even when we're being beaten by the world, as Paul was? We're still able to write, hey, look, I know it looks bad on the outside. Like, this don't look good. Uh, maybe I should have done some more abs. I'm just, I don't know. I know this don't look great. <laughs> but I'm in life and peace. Despite what's going on around me. So the first thing, just practical thing as we close this morning, the first thing that we have to do. Did you know you weren't created to be alone? You weren't created to be alone. And you can confess to Jesus and He will forgive. But some of you need to stop being satisfied with just confessing things in secret to Jesus when you really should be sharing them with other people. Because you have no consequence, you just keep going back to Jesus about the same thing. You could have some accountability and actually overcome because iron still sharpens iron and confessing sin one to another and praying one for another will actually help you be healed. So the second thing, besides just getting out of that condemnation and sharing your secrets and 
and just being honest. Guys, take the mask off. Take it off. Be, be honest. Be open. There is therefore now no condemnation. And I want to live a life that pleases God. I got to give you this quickly. I had this, this teenager. I had yelled at him. I don't know if you've ever been around teenagers. They cause you to do things. I know what I want to do, but I don't do it. And I don't want to do what I want to do. So anyways, this teenager, we had a moment. And I yelled at him. And I was furious. And it was justified. And by the way, I was in authority. But I heard him. And he left. Not our student ministry, but at the time, that, that team that we were a part of. He, he didn't want to be. I had to leave. He left. and It was a big ordeal. And I saw him later on in the gym. And he said, you're a fake. You're a fraud. You say you love God so much, you don't even know how to have it. You're a fake. And I said, no, no, no. You misunderstand. I am a fraud. I am a fake. I know who I would be if not for God. And I spend every day not just receiving salvation, but working, trying, striving with the Holy Spirit to be somebody that I know, I know, I know I'm not. I'm sorry. That instant, our relationship began restoration. Whenever I took off the mask and I admitted, and you need that, that secret, that shame, you need that. But number four, and we're going to come back to this last week, we need to evaluate our relationships. I gave you the three. We're going to talk about the middle two next week. We need to evaluate our relationships because you weren't created to be alone. Let me give you a little power phrase in three scriptures. Your associations, your associations can determine your anointing. In in other words, this, this simply put, you've heard this cliche, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future because your associations can affect your anointing. We grow in groups. Remember, you receive forgiveness in Christ. I actually believe we receive healing in groups. That's why we have small groups. That's why we focus on them. It's not just because it's a really good church growth idea. I believe it's a biblical mandate. Let me show you. Watch. Proverbs 28, verse 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. It's pretty clear. You conceal your sin, you will not prosper. But if they confess... And turn from them, confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. They will receive mercy. Your sin will find you out. There is no thing hidden which shall not be revealed. You may as well confess it so that you can begin the process of freedom. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive. No one else forgives sin but Jesus. I just need to make sure that we understand and make that very clear at this church, in this house. It doesn't mean that you can't come here if you don't believe that, but I'm telling you, there is no place in God's Word where there's any other name by which a man shall be saved except for Jesus. He's the one that forgives. He's the one we confess to for forgiveness. 
and cleanse us from all wickedness. See, you, gotta, you don't just confess and receive salvation. You got to remain in because he doesn't want to just forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. Well, how is he going to do that? Well, thankfully, Jesus' brother shed a little light on this. In James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, confess your sins to each other so you can be forgiven. No, that's in Jesus. Pray for each other. Why? Because you need to be healed. You need to be healed. Because God is more interested in your anointing than your anger. You need to be healed. You need to be set free. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful... That's what we're looking for, right? Oh, I'm saved. Blank. Sorry, Pastor. Don't be sorry to me. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You're not going to stand before me. I'm saved. I look like everybody else, talk like everybody else, think like everybody else, act like everybody else. The results say something different. Well, it may not be because you haven't asked for forgiveness to God lately. It may be because you're still trying to wear a mask instead of just being honest and open and growing in a group or with a group of people that want to love you and help you. Jesus makes us righteous, but people like him help keep us righteous. That's really good. Jesus makes us righteous, but people like him help keep us righteous. We have opportunities. We call it next steps. You're going to meet a lot of people. If you've never been through it, first class is today. Session. I hate that word. Class. Bleh. Don't say that. Come back in. First, first day. First step today. Small groups. We've got 30, 40? A lot. A lottie. We have a lottie. You need a friend. I don't have one. Well, Stop watching soap operas by yourself all the time and go meet some people and grow closer to God together. Just saying. Make an effort. Do your part. Here's my prayer. Every person listening right now, this is my prayer, would just very simply join us on this spiritual journey. Because we're in it too, guys. Just another guy another son and another daughter trying, striving for God's will for their lives. Our prayer is that you would just very simply join us in this journey. Let's pray. Father, I love you. God, right now for every person in this room, I pray that you would help us to I just Take a minute and evaluate. Am I connected to the people that I'm supposed to be connected to? Do I surround myself with people that are helping me along in this journey? Along, not alone in this journey? Am, am I even, am I, do I know you? Am I even getting to know you better? Or am I just going through the motions? 
Did I have a moment where I'm committed to the mileage or did I just have a moment and then start going through the motions and hope for the best? Kind of show up every now and then. And God, help me to see where I am. For every person right now who believes in Jesus, who, who believes in His confidence in their salvation, and I want you to be, I want you to consider every relationship in your life. Now, the ones that you're in covenant with, the relationship with your spouse, you can't get out of that one. But there are some that you could create that you need some help and you need some honesty. Some of you need to be honest with the people that are closest to you. As we've tried to be honest today, consider your relationships and whether they're a place that that you can declare and and be honest and and there's no condemnation or if if for a season, maybe, maybe you need to separate yourself from some of those relationships. I can tell you this, if that relationship is in sin, it can't be sanctified. If it's impure, it can't have the intimacy that God wants it to have. So you need to come to Christ and repent of that thing. But some of you need to quit trying to do this thing alone. Reach out to somebody and be open and honest. And it's probably not going to be a staff member of this church. Probably somebody else that God shows you and puts in your life. We'll do our best. But there's a lot of great people in this community, in this church, that you can be honest and open with. And you need to begin to do that. Here's the last thing. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you at some point...